Hey there, welcome to the Creative Classroom Podcast. I'm your host, John Spencer. I'm a former middle school teacher, current college professor, and I am passionate about seeing teachers transform their classrooms into bastions of creativity and wonder. And so on this podcast, I share ideas and strategies. I talk about um, things that worked for me, but also those big epic fails that I've made along the way, because ultimately I believe teachers play a profound role in helping students reach their creative potential. And one of the things I love doing on my own journey of, of learning about creativity is to talk to experts. And some of them are experts in the classroom and some of them are experts from industry. And today I wanna share with you an interview with Ian Clausen, who is an expert on creative collaboration. And he is the co-author along with uh, Chris Deaver on the book, uh, brave together and I am telling you I plowed through this book when they sent it to me early as a PDF and then I actually went out and bought the hard copy because I loved it so much to reread it more slowly and you know leave little notes in the margins and stuff like that because it is filled with practical insights and big ideas and uh, just a lot of things that I found to be relevant to um, the experience of educators and if you're not familiar with Ian Clausen, here's a little bit about him. I'm just going to share kind of his bio. Ian Clausen is the co-founder of BraveCore, co-host of Lead with a Question podcast, which, by the way, I love that podcast. Um, there's some great interviews on it. And regular contributor to Fast Company, an advisor to startups and accelerator programs. He has contributed to organizational growth through leadership coaching. Over the past decade, Clausen has led culture change initiatives in the healthcare industry. He is the co-founder of Story Circle, a development studio focused on co-creation, partnering with Marvel story artists and world building as a lead writer and story architect. So without further ado, here is this interview with Ian Clausen. All right, I have with us here Ian Clausen, and um, he has a really exciting book that I'll be telling you about in a little bit, um, but I'm just excited to have you on this podcast. Happy to be here, John. Thanks for having me. So um, you have extensive experience working across lots of different industries and um, thinking about this idea of co-creation, collaboration, all these critical skills that are necessary. I'm curious if you would share with folks just a little bit about what those past experiences have been. Sure. Well, I, I started off uh, in my college years uh, studying world philosophy and communication theory. So that kind of took me down this path of, you know, different mindsets, different uh, frameworks to see the world. And just, I, I became very curious. I've always had this creative side to myself. And so as I entered the professional world, I started off in sales, uh, dabbled in marketing, and then I made a career pivot into healthcare administration. So really heavy emphasis on leadership and, you know, owning the financials, the performance, the outcomes. Um, and so it's been a rewarding career, but at the same time, I would have to say that there was the side of me that was dormant, a creative side that I wasn't able to express all the way through. So I've always had these kind of creative projects. Um, I've dabbled in music. I love creative writing. And um, that's actually how I encountered my my current business partner and, and co-author of Brave Together. Um, we we met through our kids in a basketball league of uh, being in the same league. And, and um, 
he worked at Apple at the time and he has a different pedigree than I do from healthcare. And he worked at Disney and Dell and so a lot of tech companies. But what connected us was this, we were drawn to creative ideas and projects that have been kind of word documents on our computers for multiple years, right? And we started getting vulnerable and we started sharing these ideas to one another. And it turned into an experiment of co-creation itself. Mm-hmm. And so we started to shape this world together, this fictional world. And Chris uh, Deaver, my my co-author, he has a background as an artist. He he, he used to uh, draw for comic strips and I'm more of a creative writer. And so this was always an outlet for me um, for, from a professional sense. And I'm like, why do these things have to be so separate from each other, right? I've always felt like this misfit and, and, you know, like certain bosses or leaders, you know, they, they don't, they didn't know how to quite grapple with me. And my approach was different and I'm, I'm very um, people centric mm-hmm. and I'm also business centric, but it's people first for me. It's these connections, it's relationships. So this was the wrestle of, of my past, you know, professional life and uh, meeting Chris, a lot of uh, insights and things started to shape where it turned into the culmination of what we ended up writing for the book. So just in hearing you share that for a moment, you know, you have this background with philosophy. Um, he has this background in, you know, art and comic book and these. And so I'm curious when you think about the partnership that you have, the work that you do, what are some of the, things that you did that weren't necessarily or or that would maybe surprise people that become a hidden advantage. Um, You you see what I mean? Like, right. uh, And part of where I'm coming from here for a second, just sharing a little bit about me was last night. I, my, my son is in college and he wanted me to help him study for his philosophy exam. And um, he told me this was the class that I thought was the least relevant to becoming an engineer. And now I think it might be the most relevant, right? You know? Interesting. And so it was a really Very interesting, he didn't want to take it, right? And now he right. loves philosophy and he's actually reading a couple books on it. And so I'm curious, like, what are some of those unrelated areas that turn out to be hidden advantages for you? Right. So for my own journey with philosophy, I think it just, it helped me gain this additional perspective to like zoom out, look mm-hmm. at the world more broadly, look at, go deep in my core and, and understand why do I think the way I think? Or why do I feel this way? Philosophy and just exposing yourself to diverse ideas. I mean, this is what it yields. It brings out these additional perspectives that we wouldn't otherwise have. If your son just focused on engineering and the technical skill sets for that, mm-hmm. he's missing how he can connect future builds that he wants to be a part of to the greater world. Right. And so I think that's the beauty. So as far as it translates to the book and my partnership with Chris, it's very interesting. Um, We see this tension between timeless principles and this notion of creativity. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of focus on leadership practices and business acumen is really focused on the science of management. It's org design. It's, it's really data-driven, performance-based, or uh, results, uh, outcomes-focused. And so 
this notion, you know, Sir Ken Robinson, for example, with education, right? He, the most famous TED talk of all time, you know, he asked the question, why do schools kill creativity? Well, Chris and I had the same notions, but for the workplace, why do companies kill creativity? And at the base of it all, what we've discovered is it's fear. Mm -hmm. And leaders, um, it's it's easy for people to be passionate and to reject cultures and reject bosses that that are toxic. And I'm going to move and hop around. That's the trends we see with the great resignation, right? And and quiet quitting. But at the, the heart of it, it's not... It's, it's not good for us to characterize, I think, leaders as evil or bad. Mm. I think they just have had bad models. So most leaders that come up don't receive proper training. Mm-hmm. And they're just borrowing from the styles and, and practices that they've seen or, or experienced. I think the same could be said in education. I think there's a lot of teachers with good intentions, right? Mm-hmm. But there's been a, a poor uh, reward system right? For test taking, we could go down that road, but I'm sure you've already done deep dives on that. Um, But it's just poor, poor modeling. We need more brave people, brave leaders, brave teachers to step up and show us that there are new ways to doing things and thinking and, and, and applying different things. So we have this affinity towards the work of Stephen Covey. In his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, we haven't seen a book with an ecosystem of principles that have come out since his work. Mm-hmm. And Chris and I were big fans of a lot of thought leadership, a lot of modern kind of thought leadership books. Mm-hmm. But I think publishers, they want to play it safe as well. So they're like, hey, let's just do a deep dive on this one topic. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about productivity for 357 pages. Yeah, All I need to read is 30 pages and I get the gist of the book. And the rest is just anecdotal. It's storytelling. It just reinforces that main theme. And there's merit in a lot of these ideas. We we love a lot of these authors and books. But what we haven't found is an ecosystem of principles that are connected to our current time that we're in, the modern workplace, right? And so I had just finished reading Creativity, Inc. from Ed Yeah, Powell. yeah. I love that book. Yeah. And so... You know, this is the things that Chris and I had found synergy in was timeless principles and this notion of creativity. And in Creativity, Inc., it talks about, you know, this notion of a brain trust. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, Pixar, the book is highly reflective of an introspective culture of Pixar. What Mm -hmm. makes them and their teams great in a creative production studio? Mm -hmm. But Chris and I are asking the question, why can't this be applied more broadly to other organizations? This notion of a brain trust. Yeah. And how could how might that look different if applied, you know, for meetings and things like that? And so um, go ahead. It's interesting that you mention uh, Creativity Inc. because um, your book addresses this as well. I love this aspect of Creativity Inc. where you see how uh, fear was a dominant aspect of Disney animation, right? And then right. Pixar comes in and shakes things up in a really positive way by re, you know rebuilding trust and addressing fear. Um, and I, I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. What do you think causes successful companies, institutions, schools, whatever it may be, to become fearful over time? I think a lot of it has to do with the future. 
right? It's, it's uncertain. And so there's this uh, proclivity to protect or a desire to protect the status quo. And so this is why companies kill creativity. They don't want ideas and meetings. They, they want to, it's a, it's a command and control style of leadership that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes uh, for comfortable leadership, right? In general, this is the template of traditional leadership. Mm-hmm. And so, but this has been everyone's experience. Yeah. So what, what we found is we, we looked at that traditional baseline experience. It's an employer employee uh, model, right? And empl- employees are dependent upon an employer. So they're stuck with this type of command and control experience. They don't like to be micromanaged. They don't like to, you know, have, you know, their, their productivity just hung by a noose, right? Like it, like you're only as good as your last results that you've given last quarter. Right. And so there's a lot of fear that leaders drive in their style to, to produce these outcomes. Mm -hmm. But what I think is lacking is there's two things. One, people are lacking creative identity. And so whether it's a, a system like education that kind of it's very rules-based thinking, you know, sit in your chair, sit up straight, raise your hand to be called on. It's, it's, we're, we're producing obedient workers in a, in a, in a, an existing model. Right. Um, and so what happens is, you know, fear, people want to break out of the system. And so there's this, uh, this natural inclination to, I have to brave it alone. Right. And so this is where a second tier that we've uh, identified as entrepreneurship, it's both, both um, tiers are at odds with each other, right? Entrepreneurs are promoting, hey, you know, you're oppressed by the system, break free, you want freedom, focus on lifestyle, your earning potential is much greater. You don't see much publicity on the employer side to attract people. It's, it's kind of a dying model. But at the same time, there's this tension but we can't live in these these uh, two extremes. It's not one is better than the other. And so the notions we found is out of that tension, a third dimension is born. It's co-creation. Mm-hmm. So we see the future as co-creative, you know, mm-hmm. workplace cultures that are more people centric and connected um, across functions and roles where ideas are shared. They're not punished. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can be a co-creator as an employee and be brave together within your team. As a leader, you can inspire co-creation, right? And so that's that's what we've landed with. The main thesis of our book is this tension between employer, employee, entrepreneurship. There's got to be a synthesis. Mm-hmm. And we find, we find that with co-creation. I really liked within that the notion of co-creation is it's a, it's a chance to be yourself, right? It's a chance to live out your creative identity, but it also, because it's co-creation, you mentioned that like it it helps you avoid the grind, the hustle, the burnout. Right. And so I'm wondering if you would speak to that because I think a lot of teachers feel isolated alone and they're kind of burning out. And so So how do you think co-creation for them might be an opportunity to thrive. Right. So first it's, it's grappling with that creative identity. Right. And so 
I don't know if you saw this, but just yesterday, the Webster Dictionary, there's reports that the main word that emerged in 2023 is the word authenticity. Mm. But I think the standard use and just definition of that is not sufficient enough. Mm. And what I mean by it, let's unpack that for a second. Mm-hmm. So authenticity, there's the surface level of living, right? That we're all a part of. And when we are, when we feel stuck in work, right? And and we're just not motivated. We're not engaged. We're not lit up. We're, we're, there's no energy. You know, we we feel hollow inside. We're lacking that direction. We're lacking that creative identity. Mm-hmm. And so... That's the surface level kind of life that most of us are a part of. Once you break free of that, you have an option. It's like a fork in the road. You can choose how to be authentic, but people don't talk this way. They're just like, we, we tend to hear, you know, influencers on social media. They're like, hey, take it or leave it. This is who I am. But nobody wants the messiness of humanity or broken people that just are propped up saying, look at my authentic self. That's toxic authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we're striving for is the principles found in our book. We're, we're hoping to showcase how to be more selflessly authentic, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, that's um, where you know, principles could really shape your future. They can point you in a certain direction, just like bank robbers or people that from stores, they, they have a set of principles that they follow, but they're attached to the wrong principles. They may be patient to wait out till the owner leaves a shop before they break in. They're determined. These are all healthy things, but it's with the wrong focus, the wrong outcome. So timeless principles, the things that we absorb in all these great books, they point us to, to the collective, right? To how can we serve others? How can we you know, there's this notion of cancel culture. When people are passionate about the shaking down the traditional models, they want to cancel everything. Mm-hmm. But no one's talking about how to contribute to culture. Mm. Yeah. And so I think um, to your point of educators that might feel disempowered, it's grappling with the authentic self in a creative way. You've got to determine what your creative identity is, right? Mm-hmm. And that requires you to be brave. And it starts that way, but it, it should be a, a principled path mm-hmm. forward, right? Second to that, I think there's this notion of creative propensity. We talk about it in the book. A lot of companies, they kill this creative propensity. They don't let us express our creative selves, those that have come to terms with their creative identity. And so what ways can you foster that in the environment that you have control over? So in terms of a classroom, you know, you have to be able to separate, hey, I belong to this school system. I belong to this, you know, school district. I belong to the state standards and federal standards of testing and curriculum. And you focus on what you have control of. Mm-hmm. And it's the students right in front of you. Yes, you have to check certain boxes for the system that exists. But this is how you lean into your creative identity, right? You're not going to be dependent on your identity being told from a higher entity or authoritative power it's it's more of you got to lean into being brave and what's interesting is when we start with our consulting work we don't roll out an hr program we don't start with hey we're going to do culture shaping and we're going to do this full rollout 
we focus on leaders that are leaning into the future now. Who are principle? Who who are people that are powered by principles? These are people that know the direction they're heading in. They may not. There's still uncertainty. Who knows how it's all going to shake out? But at the same time, they're grounded in in timeless principles. So this becomes a template. A leader that leans into to um, to these things, they tend to become the model for an organization. Mm-hmm. So a team. Hey, that team is gelling. They're connected. There's energy. There's creative propensity, mm-hmm. right? People are free to be who they are. They're, they're free to make their creative expressions. And that is a grassroots effort. It's very organic. So get away from the mechanics of trying to control what the culture should be and, and lean into the organics, mm-hmm. right? Let it n- naturally flow. By letting people be who they are, giving them the autonomy, you know, principles should be directional. They shouldn't be prescriptive. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, um, you know, the future is co-creative, right? right. And um, it has me thinking about, you know, a, a lot of the conversation right now in, in the culture is on the sheer pace of change right now. Um, and the fact that generative AI can do things that are incredibly creative, the fact that um, jobs, markets, companies are going to face immense change and disruption. And um, I've even heard people say, you know, creativity may not be a vital skill anymore if, if machine learning can be creative for you. And so, I guess what I'm curious about is if you think about the students we're teaching right now, the future that they're going to inhabit, right? The, the saying I always say is like, you know, the ladder has become a maze and our students will need to navigate this maze, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you see the timeless principles, the notion of co-creation, where do you see that fitting into a world that is heavily dominated by things like AI? Right. Great, great notions here. It's interesting. I don't know if you've heard, have you heard of the concept of blue ocean strategy? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, coming at it from a business uh, market um, landscape, um, they describe a red ocean as competition, right? Mm-hmm. And so most business models and product market fit is is tethered to this idea of we have to outdo our competitor, mm-hmm. right? So the the metaphor is you're in bloody waters. It's like the same sharks kind of chomping on the same whale carcass. They're going after the same customer base. Mm-hmm. And so the way that blue ocean strategy presents itself is, is di- differentiation. Mm-hmm. So instead of competing, focus on creating. Yeah. Right. And so it's this, it's this gap between this, you know, you have to fail out or swim out into this, this deep blue ocean. Right. It's like that's the horizon. That's the that's the wild west, so to speak, of ideas and builds. But I think that's an either or approach, and it's it's limiting. It's it's a it's a powerful metaphor. However, yeah. we see it more as purple ocean. <laughs> we need to meet people where they're at, where they're struggling, right? And so it's it's the power, and not just being different, but making a difference for others. Mm-hmm. And so. You could be out there and be different and have a startup and just have your select team of 12 people. 
but you end up morphing back into the system that is a red ocean, right? You get funding uh, from venture capital, um, and you're you're tethered to the same rules that business businesses are. Just by trying to be different, it's not enough. It's not good enough. And so, the intention to make a difference in the lives of others is what is going to set people apart in the future. And that's where principles, to your point, can really steer the direction for students. I don't think, I think at the baseline, people are afraid of these technologies. So it's still, it's still stuck in a, a mode of fear, right? But if you're, if you're confident with your creative identity and the, and the core competency of the future is, is how do we work better together, mm-hmm. right? That's the main differentiator. It's mm-hmm. not just creating or creativity. It's a component of that, but there has to be this notion of principles. Mm-hmm. That helps steer, you know, this, this, these connecting points that help unite us. We're in a world that's so divided politically, mm-hmm. the haves, the have-nots, ideologies. Mm-hmm. Society has plenty of labels. Yeah. Right. So we have to break out of that by leaning into our creative identity and being guided by timeless principles. So bringing it home just a little bit more for for educators. Um, one of my thoughts was this definitely fits into school culture, into leadership, into sure. teachers, uh, collaborating, co-creating. Um, I find my, find myself thinking about things like the mirror test, um, how that would fit into, um, you know, staff collaboration, um, because right. teaching, like I said, can be very isolating. Um, but then I also kept finding myself thinking about uh, students at the K-12 level, right? So a lot of this podcast, we talk about things like project-based learning, design thinking, student creativity, what that means in terms of right. what you're preparing for in the future. And especially the notion that I hear from a lot of teachers, and I see it, that students kind of coming out of the pandemic have really struggled with right. collaboration, with co-creation, with creativity, um, it's been a real challenge. And so I'm curious, what advice would you give to teachers who say, I believe in this, I think it's important, but my students are really struggling with just basic collaboration, not even deep dive right. co-creation that you talk about. Um, right. What would you say to them about this notion of co-creation of students conquering their fears, right? Them being brave as well. Right. So one of, one of my personal first principles, and we talk about how to articulate your first principles in the book is connection is greater than control. Mm. Yeah. And so I think when we're trying to influence or make changes to our environment, I think we start with this mindset of control. Mm-hmm. How can I control the levers to make it different? The mirror test actually helps with this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the metaphor is, you know, have a mirror in your mind and look in it and, and ask yourself, well, what can I do differently? Are you going to blame others? Are you going to be the victim? Mm-hmm. What is within your power? Mm-hmm. That needs to be activated for teachers. And I think if they focus on connection with their students, it's personalized pathways, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, the different modalities of learning, the different 
creative interests, mm-hmm. the different creative expressions. It's not one size fits all, but it's it's, it's allowing for that brave space mm-hmm. for ideas to thrive and, and people can connect the dots on their own, right? And then I think a teacher's best role is to guide that process, mm-hmm. to draw that out. It's really hard to juggle the differences and nuances of every student in your class, but I think a lot of times it's it's focused on the extremes. It's who are my best students and I'm going to amplify them and who are the ones that are struggling? I'm going to come down on them and they need all this extra homework. And I don't think that's the intention, but that's usually how it rolls out. So I think giving that space for people to, to be themselves, but also creative prompts. Teachers could, mm-hmm. could lead with a question. That's one of our meta principles, right? Instead of having the pressure to have all the answers, I think if they started a lesson with a question to the class, mm-hmm. you know, it's muscle memory, right? If if students aren't used to being expressive this way and they're just memorizing answers to do well on tests, mm-hmm. they're not critically thinking, they're not being creative, they're not problem solving. And so I think a lot of teachers lean this way. They they have these intentions. But these principles can help bring that out in a classroom environment or a team environment at work. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate Um, for those um, who are listening again. um, The book is called um, brave together and your podcast is lead with a question. Correct. Like, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, So please check both of those out. Um, I, I personally found um, that sometimes when it comes to, being within education, getting a perspective that's broader, that's global, that connects to the larger population can sometimes be exactly what we within the education world need. Um, and I, I definitely felt like your book was like this. I kept thinking, yes, this is what staff culture needs, what school culture needs. This is what we need to do uh, within education as we work with students and doing project-based learning and things like that. So um, thank you for your insights. and. Um, Everybody should go check out this book. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. So there you have it. That was Ian Clausen, who is the co-author of Brave Together. Would you do me a favor? If you enjoy this podcast, would you leave a review on Apple Podcast or on you know, Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcast? Would you also think about... Um, subscribing to the podcast, just click the little subscribe button and maybe tell a friend about it because word of mouth is one of the best ways to get the message out about this podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day and go out and make something awesome.